Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. I was recently having a conversation with someone who was wrestling with the gap between their beliefs and their experience. It's a very common tension in people's lives. They were saying, I believe in Christ. I believe I'm saved. I believe I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I've spent time learning the promises of God for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord. I believe that Jesus is my salvation. I believe that I'm called to live life to the full, to walk in freedom, healing, hope, and peace. I believe I'm called to have love, joy, and patience, to know the comfort of the Spirit, to have self-control, but I'm just not experiencing the full reality of those promises. And if this is all true, why am I not experiencing it, experiencing these promises like others seem to be? And I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever felt like that? I definitely have, thanks, Stephen. <laughs> A few people didn't listen to what I said right before I asked the question. You gotta love Stephen Houlet. If it's you, raise your hand, Stephen. I love that about Stephen. <laughs> You know, on Friday, I had my son with me for my work day because my wife was on a school field trip. And one of the things I used to help him get through the morning and kind of so I could get things done was we we're going to go to Chick-fil-A for lunch. And he said, Dad, can I get ice cream after I have my nuggets? And I was like, yeah, of course, son, you can get ice cream totally. And he said, Dad, is there going to be a play place? And I said, okay, all right, son, we'll find one of the Chick-fil-A's that's reopened their play place. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but not every Chick-fil-A has reopened their play places. Some are being very ungodly and keeping them closed for some reason, really messing up the families like mine. I don't know what's going on with these people, but if you know any of those owners, can you put in a word for me? We have literally mapped out the 15 Chick-fil-A's that are around us, which ones have open play places and which one don't. So those were Clay's two things, ice cream and play place. So we got to lunchtime. We're loving some Chick-fil-A. He ate his nuggets. It was time for him to get some ice cream. And right around the time we got the ice cream, uh, there was a, a lovely woman at the Chick-fil-A who wanted to, you know, communicate with Clay. He's three years old. And for whatever reason, um, this woman didn't strike him as someone he wanted to talk to. And so <laughs> instead, you know, what can you do? He's three. So he just started crying when this woman is like, hi, doing like, if you think about being three and like people always doing this to you, he starts crying. And then, he, so the moment comes, he got his ice cream and here's what Clay is doing. <laughs> this is Friday lunch. And me, like any good father, instead of consoling him, I took a picture of him <laughs> on portrait mode, which meant I had to back up a little bit to get that shot. I was like, this is gonna be a great picture. I took like 10 and I got it. And I, I, I comforted him as well, just so you know. I definitely comforted him. But what he is doing right there is he is looking directly at this woman who's trying to talk to him. And this woman's husband is saying, stop making the children cry to his wife. He's now giving us this wonderful example of, I think, sometimes what our lives actually feel like, which is our belief, like Clay's, says the ice cream is supposed to make me happy, but his experience is now there's this woman in my face, and I'm afraid, and my ice cream is no longer making me happy, and I'm not joking at all. He could not get past it. He had one lick of ice cream, and we threw it all away. I held him, and we walked out of the Chick-fil-A. He didn't even eat it. And he was totally fine the rest of the day. We had a wonderful day, lots of fun. I am not an abusive father. We, there's joy. Most of the pictures I take of Clay, he is smiling and loving every minute of it. But on a more serious note, 
many Christians end up asking because of the gap between their belief and their experience, what am I doing wrong? Why is God not showing up for me? Does he see me? Does he love me? A lot of Christians think, I met the Lord years ago, but now I'm not so sure. The challenges have stacked up. I know I'm making some bad choices now. I feel like I don't have the power to do what I need to do. And I actually feel like I'm walking in darkness now. It can lead to a crisis in your faith. Mahatma Gandhi famously and sadly said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And I've noticed that a lot of Christians end up saying, I like Christ, but I don't like myself. I'm so unlike Christ. I'm not seeing the evidence of my faith. Brendan Manning similarly said, and if you're a DC Talk fan, you're going to recognize this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world. Anybody recognize that? From what if I stumble, what if I fall? All right. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And the reason I share that quote today is to say sometimes Christians find ourselves denying him by our lifestyle just because we can't seem to live in these promises of God. Like our lives are not reflecting what we see in God's word and it frustrates us. We want our life to reflect it, but it's not. We find ourselves getting angry too quickly and overreacting. Anybody ever had times like that? You know, we give out these Graceland Church magnets that people can put on their cars. You guys know where I'm going with this. It's Newcomers Connect when we give them out. And I'm like, anyone can take one. But if you especially struggle with road rage, please prayerfully consider not putting it on your car. <laughs> we don't need that kind of PR. I have one on my car. And I must confess, I'm not a, a road rage guy. But every once in a while, something happens. And I accidentally cut someone off. And I, I, you know, my neighborhood, just to get my seventh grader to school, on uh, school days, as soon as we get out of our driveway, we're in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic just to get to the school. Any of the parents feel my pain? Everyone's going to work, going to school. We sit in traffic for, tw for 20 minutes to go like 0.5 miles. And, and sometimes I accidentally go in front of somebody wrong, and the first thing I think is, oh, no, I got to take off my, my magnet. I hope they don't see the Graceland Church. But when we are experiencing the gap between our faith and our belief, and it's different than our reality and our experience, it makes us more frustrated. Maybe you just feel like you've actually lost all hope and you, you keep the appearance up externally out of necessity, but you've lost all vision for your life. You've lost any sense of hope for the future and, and you're angry about it. You don't know why. And maybe you're even starting to blame everybody else. Maybe you're afraid and it's skewing your view of how to live. All these things represent that gap between our belief and our experience. And the question is, what do we do with the gap? And the text we're looking at today speaks directly to it. We're in John chapter 8. We're going through the whole gospel of John. Today is titled, Walk in the Light. Another reference to DC Talk. Anybody with me? I want to be in the light. So I feel like I should get some royalties from DC Talk today. They're right down the street at like someone else's church right now, you know, Toby Mac. <laughs> My friend, yeah, anyway. So we're going to read John 8, starting in verse 12. The title is Walk in the Light. It's going to be on screen. You can turn there in your Bible. You can turn there on your phone. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. So he starts in verse 12 by making this extraordinary declaration. And I wanna give you a little bit of context, which will give you even more insight to how incredible this moment is. They had just finished something called the Feast of Tabernacles. We've been studying it the last few weeks. It's a giant gathering. It's a party celebrating and remembering God's faithfulness when he provided for them through the wilderness. And at this feast, they would light four giant torches that would illuminate the night, and it was brilliant, and they would sing and dance and celebrate and praise God and remember when God led them by a pillar of fire through the wilderness, and they would go wherever the fire went. They would follow it. So these huge torches were lit, and they were all celebrating, and Jesus speaks up and says, I am the light of the world. He's basically saying, remember how your forefathers followed the flame? Now you must follow me. I have the light of life. This is a profound, prophetic, powerful moment. And then he goes on to say in the second half of verse 12, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a promise. I don't know anyone who, if they heard that invitation and believed it was a real possibility, wouldn't sign up. They would say, yes, I want to never walk in darkness. Yes, I definitely want to have the light of life. Promises like this, though, are sometimes what leads to Christians feeling frustrated with the gap between the promise, which we believe, yes, the promise. You said, I'll never walk in darkness. I'll have the light of life. But my reality is, I just feel like I'm always stumbling around in the darkness. Do I have the light of life? I don't know. Is this what the light of life is supposed to feel like? That is the tension. And this is where we get to the, the, the heart of this message. And it's, it is a challenge that I hope you will receive as a gift. There is a condition to the promise. Many times when God's word makes promises to us, it's saying these promises are always here available to you by grace, but it's not guaranteed there is a condition. And number one is this, we often mix up the unconditional love of God with the conditional promises of God. Now bear with me, I teach this a lot. I believe God has drawn a circle of agape love around you. It is an unconditional circle of love drawn around you. I've drawn the same one around my children, right? Here's one of my daughters, agape love. You couldn't break out of God's circle of agape love if you wanted to. He loves you, 
conditionally. But here's the thing. The circle of agape love around you does not mean he will force you to walk in his promises. Kind of like parenting. Our kids and our grandkids can never get out of our circle of love, no matter what. But we can't force them to walk in the gifts that we want to give them. Number two, the promises of God are always available to all through Christ, but only experienced by some. And this is not a downer, it's just true. This is one of the reasons why Brennan Manning and Mahatma Gandhi had those quotes that I shared at the beginning. We don't see the evidence of the life you claim in your life. So it begs the question, what is the condition to this promise? And it's right in the text. Look at what Jesus said. I am the light of the world. Amazing declaration. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So he says the condition to having the light of life and never walking in darkness is following Jesus. And I would ask it to you this way. Do you feel like you are walking in the light of life right now? Do you feel like your path is illuminated before you? If not, I would encourage you to assess your own heart, assess your own life, and ask, man, am I really lined up with following Jesus? What does following Jesus even really mean? It is possible to be thankful for Jesus, to be thankful for God's word, to shout our praises in church, which is good, to serve, to, to, it's possible to preach God's word. It's possible to appreciate all of it, but not really be following because following Jesus is different than appreciating Jesus. Following Jesus is different than being thankful for Jesus. And it begs the question, what really is following? I'm gonna define it for this message like this based on scripture. Following Jesus is about knowing, loving, and obeying Jesus. Scripture says that, and it's the Apostle Paul who wrote this. He says, I consider everything like garbage compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Scripture paints this as the highest calling of your life. So part of following Jesus is your highest calling being to know him. It means you ache. You wake up in the morning and you want to know him more. It means you pursue knowing him more than you pursue all the other callings on your life or all the other dreams of your heart. It means the contentment and satisfaction come from the highest calling, knowing him. It's kind of like, you know, I, I, I've always been an ambitious guy. Sometimes that selfish ambition, I'm hoping more and more it's holy ambition, Right? And when I want it redeemed for the kingdom. But when I'm leaning into selfish ambition and feeling frustrated about something in my life, especially like think about in like my young 20s, thinking about all of the future opened up before you and what you want to accomplish and how you want to climb this ladder or get here or, or attain this. And all of a sudden at the same time, I'm saying, God, I want to serve you. God, why am I not feeling peace right now? And I feel like God would say to me in those moments, and he did many times, Nathan, you're pursuing everything except your highest calling. <laughs> Of course you don't have peace. So am I missing the promise of peace because God is not faithful or because I'm not following? Are you shocking with me? Part of following Jesus is knowing him, 
And then that knowing leads to loving. The great command says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So is your heart bursting, overflowing with love for Jesus? And I don't share these challenges as something you should wait, that you should wear as a weight to weigh you down, but as invitations. Invitations to close the gap between your belief and your experience. Is your heart bubbling over with love for Jesus? And then, of course, it leads to obeying Jesus. To follow him is to actually obey him, to actually do what he says, to live the kind of life he lived, to be available every day to what he may be stirring in us to do, to learn his word, to know it, and to follow it. This is what following is. Now, I want to clarify, this is really important. This is not presenting like a works-based salvation. This is not saying, oh, you got to follow just perfectly before you're saved and can get the blessing of God. It is not that. But at the same time, it is part of the good news to say yes to Jesus as Savior and yes to Jesus as Lord. Lord means we do what you say. And if we're experiencing a giant gap that doesn't make sense in our lives, it's usually because we're not doing what our Lord says. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.20. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. So look at me for a second. What that means is even the promises of God that you've given up on, the ones you've gotten disillusioned about because your experience has been so different, you're like, well, that's not for me. The scripture is saying, no matter how many promises God has made, they are for you in Christ. Every promise that the word of God has for us is for you in Christ. Anybody with me? This is amazing news. This is the invitation. They are all for you. And part of today might just be restirring your faith to actually walk in the promises of God. They are for you. They are for your family. They are for your place of employment. They are for your life, your thoughts, your heart, your emotions. They are for addressing your anxiety, your fear. They are for you. And they are all yes in Christ. But then look at the second part. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So they're yes in Christ, but we, need, we still need to say amen to them to the glory of God. And what this message is saying, and what I believe scripture tells us, is that the amen is more than just saying amen. It is living amen. It is living amen, meaning I am now following your way. You won't do it perfect. This is all in the context of grace. His kindness leads us to repentance. But don't blame God for the gap between your faith and your reality. Don't blame people for the gap between your faith and your reality. Look at yourself and say, what needs to come in line with following Jesus? And just to be really clear about this, number five, salvation is a gift to be received. What a great salvation we have received in Christ. And if you don't know God today, you can receive the gift of salvation today. But walking in the light is a daily choice to be made. Period. It's like, it's just a study in logic. Like any of us would look at our children and say, yes, child, I am, I'm giving you everything I can in this world. Everything I have is yours. I will set the plate for you as much as possible, but you must choose to walk in the light. If you don't, you won't walk in the light. <laughs> and I think sometimes our Heavenly Father is just like, my son, my daughter, I love you. But you're reeling and spinning out of control. And 
overwhelmed by so many of these things that, that, are, that are robbing you of peace, that are filling you with fear and intimidation. And I feel like he would just say, hey, choose to walk in the light. Choose to obey me today. And I believe that as I share this, God will bring things to your heart and mind that he is calling you to bring into alignment with following Jesus. Because the thing about sin and missing the target of following Jesus is it has this cumulative effect in our life. The more we lean into that, the more we do that, the more we disobey God's word, the more we build that as the reality we're leaning into. And it messes up our thinking. We, we step away from the, from the renewed mind and we step into this whole mess and it just gets worse and worse and worse. The good news is at any moment, you can step right out of that, change your thinking and choose to embrace the light again. And that is called repentance. And the way this practically looks is any time of any day in your life, you can stop and say, Lord, I welcome you into this situation in my life right now, right into this moment, right here, right now. Lord, what are you saying to me through your word? What does your word say to me? And then right here, right now, what are you saying to me by your spirit? Are there promptings? Are there things that you want to stir me towards or stir me away from? I want to pay attention to them. And then when you stop and do that, the next choice is yours. Do you submit to his word or not? Do you choose to follow or not? And this gets very real, you know, in moments like road rage, <laughs> to bring that back around. So the muscle we need to develop is that in moments of anger, we don't just act out for a month on anger. Because I'm telling you this, people get angry and then sometimes stay angry. And you know what? A week turns into a month. A month turns into a year. A year turns into 10 years of just anger. People are angry. You don't have to live angry. You don't have to live acting on anger. You can stop and say, God, what does your word say to me about forgiving people? What does your word say to me about offering a totally clean slate to someone that I've been offended by? I'm just picking examples. And then he will speak to you through his word. He will speak to you in gatherings like this. He will speak to you when you're driving your car to work, if you stop to listen. And by the way, his word comes with power. It doesn't just come as this thing that sits in front of us and then we grab it or we don't. When we accept it, when we say yes to God's way, we find power. Have you noticed that? When you're facing temptation, you're only powerless for as long as you flirt with it. And as soon as you say no, and you say, God has called me, to holiness, you're flooded with power. Have you ever experienced that? So when you're tempted, whatever the temptation may be, whatever, self, whatever kind of like self-medication you tend to use to get through the day or the, or the week or the month that's pulling you away from God, you can stop right in those moments and invite the word of God, invite the spirit of God. It's word and spirit. It's like these word and spirit pauses and they can come in and then you can choose how to respond to it. Do I follow? And as you do this, you know what? You start to close the gap between your faith and your experience because when you do that and when you say yes to following, you know what floods you even in the middle of the most anxious moments? A peace that passes understanding. So the promise does not mean you will never walk through darkness. It does not mean you'll never face a storm. It just means the storm and the darkness won't get in you. You'll be filled with the light of life. We still go through challenges. We all know that. Maybe you don't. Even following Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, 
as well as you possibly can, responding to his kindness every day. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through hard times in life. You will go through hard times in life. We live in a fallen, broken world. God can redeem those times. But I love our Pastor Duncan, our pastor emeritus, he was in our first service. He says it so well. You can be in the storm, just don't let the storm get in you. And that's what it is to have the light of life. Reading on in verse 13, the Pharisees, the self-righteous ones, then responded by challenging Jesus. And we're gonna, we're gonna start to close with this idea. They say, here you are, Jesus. You can hear the spirit of what they're saying. Appearing as your own witness, they say. Your testimony is not valid. So they confront Jesus and they try to discredit him. And it's a cautionary tale for us. Don't just assume the Pharisees are out there somewhere. This is a cautionary tale for you and me. Because if you don't follow Jesus, you will walk in darkness and blame others for it, including Jesus. So the more you keep deciding to not follow Jesus, the more you invest into a direction away from Jesus, and the more you will try to justify it, and the more you will try to find someone to blame for it. And we have a culture of blame right now. Anybody? It's everybody else's fault except mine. And I'm not saying people haven't gone through very serious trauma and hurt, and that needs to be dealt with. There's a positive side to all of it, but... But our culture has gone so far with it that it's, it's training us, it's discipling us to look out at everyone else, blame them, point the finger, even to the tune of God, it's your fault. And that's what they're doing. He says to them in the flesh, I'm the light of the world, guys. If you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. You can have the light of life. And they say, your testimony's not valid. They fight them. And how many of you have ever felt that same cry of your heart, God, I can't believe you've brought me to this point in my life. Your testimony is no longer valid to me. I will not trust you. I will not seek you. I will not obey. What are you talking about? Look what happened last time when I tried. And I encourage you, pour out your hearts to God like that, but don't stay there. Let it circle you right back onto obedience to Jesus. Sweet surrender, repentance. Anytime you get confronted from a healthy authority, it's hard because you don't want to be confronted. But this is part of God's word to us. We can't grow up as mature sons and daughters unless we receive the discipline of the Lord and the confrontation of the Lord. And this is every time when I was a teenager that I got confronted by my mom and dad, and they were great parents, they weren't perfect, but they were great, my immediate response was anger and blame <laughs> right away. And then eventually it gets in, you sit with it. You grow through it, and you grow in wisdom. And you might just need to hear. I am teaching this because we hit this part of the text. I'm literally just teaching through the book. But we, are full, we, have, a, we have a church that's full of Christians that are so frustrated, and they're starting to blame everyone else rather than look at their own obedience. So let's make sure we pay attention to our own obedience. And my closing question for you as the worship team comes up is, do you want to walk in the light? And if so, what is Jesus revealing as your next step of obedience? And if you have no idea what your next step of obedience might be, you know what you can do? Go to your last area of disobedience and start there. It's kind of like, when someone gets marching orders from a commander in the military, hold your current orders until you get new ones. 
And I believe it's like that with the Lord too. And wherever it was that you veered off and just started not following Jesus, return there and say, Lord, I repent. Forgive me for running my own direction. I want to follow you with all my heart. I want to know you. I want to obey you. And you know what? Do it here today as response, and then do it 10 times throughout the rest of today. And then do it 20 times between 7 and 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, right? Because the Mondays will hit you, and you'll get frustrated at some point. But you know what? Don't get discouraged by that. Bring your heart back to the Lord and say, I want to follow you, Jesus. Teach me your ways. Fill me with your word. Fill me with your spirit. Are you guys tracking with me on this? This is the life of following Jesus. And the incredible thing is, no matter how many times we veer off, you know what grace says? Yep, come right back in. Just like it never happened. Let's go. Vamanos. Here we go. It's time. So don't let any excuse hold you back from returning to obedience today. Just say yes. You don't have to wallow in condemnation for a week before you can return. Forget it. The gospel and grace says, come back to Jesus, run with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and just tell him, I'm yours, Lord. I commit my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to make it till the end. I want to return to faith in all these promises. They're not just for other people. They're for me. They're for my family. I want everything that you promised me in your word. I want all of it, God. Teach me your ways. You know, imagine you are out on a trail in the wilderness in crazy terrain on this big adventure, but dusk comes on you so quickly that you can't get back to the base camp, and all of a sudden it's getting dark. You can't see anything around you. You do not know the terrain. Stakes are high. But the good news is you have a master guide that is with you, and the master guide that is with you not only perfectly knows all the terrain, but he has the only light. He literally is a life-saving master guide. In that situation, you have only one point of action to focus on. There is one thing that you must do in that situation to stay alive, to figure out what your next step is, and to focus all your energy on, and that is staying near the guide. And if the guide says anything to you, obey. And if the guide illuminates a step for you, take the step because you don't know where the cliff is. You don't know where the waterfall is. You don't know where the snake is, but you have a master guide. And this is just how it is with us in following Jesus and walking in the light. We're in a world full of darkness, distortion of truth, full of condemnation, full of all kinds of problems, full of messages, full of pseudo guides, people that would pull you a million different directions. Yet there is one true master guide who says, I am the light of the world. And the really good news is this guide has committed himself to you. This guide says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And you know what your job is? Get close to the guide. Get to, if, if I had any choice in it, I want the guide to be my best friend. And if someone else knows the guide more than me, I'm like, move over, buddy. This is my guide. I want to know that. I want to know my guide's voice. I want to know my guide so well that I can start to anticipate his steps. I want his voice to be in me. I wanna be shaped to be like my guide, right? If he tells me to do something, to jump, and I don't understand, I'm just gonna jump. If he tells me to stop, I'm just gonna stop. If he tells me to go, I'm gonna go. This is what we are called to do in how we follow Jesus. Stay close to the light. Stay close to the guide. Can you close your eyes with me and bow your hearts? I asked you earlier, do you feel like you're walking in the light of life? Is your path illuminated? 
is at least one step illuminated? Is there an area of disobedience that the Spirit of God has made so clearly known to you this morning that you need to return to and say, forgive me, Lord, I want to obey. My life is yours. What would it look like for you to take one step towards getting closer to the guide today? Maybe you do need to forgive someone. Maybe you need hatred out of your heart. Maybe you need to drop the offense that has been binding you and filling you with bitterness. Maybe you need to stop those destructive words. Maybe you need to stop allowing those destructive thoughts those angry thoughts, those hopeless thoughts to dominate your thoughts. And you need to take captive your thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. Perhaps you need to love an enemy. Perhaps you need to say no to a gossip. Perhaps you need to stop gossiping yourself. Perhaps there is some sin of self-medication that you just use to get through all the time. Perhaps it's become an addiction and you need to say, it's time for me to do whatever it takes to be free of this addiction and walk in the light. If you've been around addiction at all, half the battle is just confessing it. Bring it in the light. No one will condemn you. No one will condemn you, not even Jesus. We studied this last week. Jesus will not condemn you. You bring it into the light. You say, Jesus, I need your help here. And then you start taking steps. You get to celebrate recovery on Wednesdays. You find someone here to confess to. And you say, I want to walk in the fullness of what God has for me. I want to confess my sin. Whatever it is that God is bringing. And then commit, say, God, I want to obey you in this area. I commit it to you. Thank you for making a way for us this gift of salvation. Thank you for making a way for us this gift of the Lordship of Christ. Fill our hearts with your light today as we go. In Jesus' name. If you would like to pray with someone about following Jesus, about getting free from addictions, anything like that, come talk to me. The Hulays are here. Pastor Heather and Stephen are our recovery ministers. Pastor Rob Rates is there. Some of us will hang right around here. Come pray with us. Let us know. Um, and if not this morning, some other time. I'm going to pray a benediction over us and we'll be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great afternoon.